0: Well, Vince, when you joined the family, we understood we were getting a successful businessman. We didn't know that Carnegie Hall came with the package. So thank you. That was a real blessing. Good morning. It is the Christmas weekend. What a blessed time. We've just had an enjoyable week ourselves with our family able to join with us. Uh, Thanks to everyone who participated in the service today, but I do want to give a special shout out to my grandkids, Noah and Grayson, who read our scripture reading this morning. Now, as we open God's word for the study, I invite you to bow your heads together with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful it is such a beautiful, beautiful time, a beautiful season. It may be icy outside, it may be cold, and yet inside we feel the warmth of your spirit, the gift of your love. We know that you are present with us and that you will never leave. Thank you. And now, as we open the word, as we listen to your voice speak change our lives so that day by day we are more and more like jesus this we ask in jesus name amen today we continue the series that pastor jeff has initiated as we look at the different prophecies concerning jesus christ the one that we study today is perhaps the most unique, the most peculiar of all of those prophecies... for many different reasons. There was a prophecy that Jesus would be called the Nazarene. The Nazarene. Now, what does this mean? Many commentators have divided on their interpretation of this passage through the years. Notable ones, such as John Calvin associated the word Nazarene with the word Nazarite. So was Jesus a Nazarite? Was this just a play on words in the book of Matthew that was really referring to the Nazarite of the Old Testament? We take a look at this. So I invite you to open your Bibles together with me as we turn to the Old Testament to the book of Numbers. We're going to begin in Numbers chapter 6. Beginning with verse 1. And it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When either men or women make a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves to the Lord... They shall separate themselves from wine and strong drink. They shall drink no wine vinegar or other vinegar and shall not drink any grape juice or eat grapes fresh or dried. All their days as Nazarites, they shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. All the days... That they separate themselves to the Lord. They shall not go near a corpse. Even if their father or mother, brother or sister should die, they may not defile themselves because their consecration to God is upon the head. Now, these words define what a Nazarite is. So the question is Was Jesus a Nazarite? Well, there are three tests here, aren't there? There's the corpse test, the grape test, and the haircut test. So let's see how Jesus responds, or corresponds, I should say, to these three tests. Well, we know that in Mark 5, Jesus came to the home of Jairus, and there he raised Jairus' daughter a corpse back to life. We go to Luke chapter 7 and we find another instance of where Jesus was exposed to a corpse. In Luke chapter 7 he is walking along toward the city of Nain and there he encounters a widow and her only son is being buried. And Jesus actually touches what we would call the coffin and calls him back to life. Finally, perhaps the most famous instance of Jesus in the presence of a corpse is John chapter 11, where his friend Lazarus has passed away. And by design, he did not go and heal him, but allowed him to die that God might be glorified. And there he stands at the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out, come forth. So it would seem that Jesus does not pass the corpse test when it comes to the Nazarite vows. Let's look at a second test, the one I call the grape test. And I invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. I'll begin reading with verse 26 of Matthew 26. And while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, broke it gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body then he took a cup and after giving thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you now we know from our study of scripture that the bread was a special bread an unleavened bread and that the juice in the cup for the celebration of the passover was none other than grape juice now it could be argued from what we've read that jesus gave it to his disciples but he didn't drink it himself but i want you to look further and look with me at verse 29 where jesus tells his disciples i tell you i will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom Notice the words, I will never again. Again means you're doing something that you've already done. So obviously Jesus did drink the grape juice with his disciples. We also know from the Bible that Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana. So it appears that Jesus does not pass this test for being a Nazarite as well. And what of the haircut test? Well, Scripture is not explicit on this. Others who read these passages and interpreted this to be the vow of a Nazarite in their paintings would paint Jesus with long flowing hair. But was this actually the case? We don't have a picture of Jesus, nor a description that would discuss the length of his hair. However, I would invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. This is not definitive, but it does suggest how the New Testament looked at long hair. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair it is degrading to him so it seems that in the new testament that long hair was not looked upon favorably as you can tell I take this very seriously to make sure that my hair never grows too long so Was Jesus a Nazarite? If so, where is the prophecy in the Old Testament predicting that Jesus would be a Nazarite? I've read the Old Testament at least 38 times, and I have not found that prophecy. I do not believe that it is there. If you can find it, please share it with me. Or, we might ask, is there a prophecy predicting that Jesus would be a Nazarene? Remember the distinction. Nazarite and Nazarene. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to the 11th chapter of Isaiah. The passage that my grandkids read for you this morning I'll read it again a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord or decide excuse me he shall, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. In other words, he'll look below the surface, not accept hearsay. He will be fair in all counts. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. How is this messianic prophecy fulfilled in Jesus' The Nazarene. Well, let's look at the word Nazarene. Nazarene means a person from Nazareth. Now, I grew up in a town called Pensacola, Florida. I am considered a Pensacolian. Now, I didn't, I wasn't born in Pensacola. I was born in Corpus Christi, Texas. But shortly afterward... My parents moved to Pensacola. That's where I grew up. And so when people ask, where are you from? I say Pensacola. I'm a Pensacolian. Nazarene means a person from Nazareth. Jesus wasn't born in Nazareth. Likewise, he was born elsewhere, in Bethlehem. But he's associated with the city of Nazareth, And thus is a Nazarene. So what do we know from this? Nazareth comes from a Hebrew word, "netzer," meaning a branch or a shoot. So we might say that Jesus is from branch city. That Jesus is from Nazareth and was therefore a Nazarene. So I hope that you're getting the connection. The word Nazareth comes from branch. Jesus was, or the Messianic prophecy says that there would come one who was a branch or a tender shoot arising from a stump. So, Isaiah chapter 11 again. Verses 1 and 2. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Mm. Jesus was a shoot. Jesus was a tender branch arising from a stump. He was a Nazarene. The Nazarene. So, What exactly does this mean? Well, it means that Jesus came out of a stump. The city of Nazareth. A very insignificant city in its time. The insignificant city was rather small. It was not far from the town of Sephiroth. A much larger city city. It was from the tribe of Zebulun, or rather was in the territory of Zebulun. And so the city of Nazareth was rather insignificant. It was shadowed by other larger towns around it. We know that it was in the tribe of Zebulun not one of the more prominent tribes. The tribe of Judah was a prominent tribe. But the tribe of Zebulun was just one of the other guys, so to speak. So, Nazareth is not a great metropolis. Not a capital city. Not the place from which you would expect a Savior, a Deliverer. So, what is the significance of Nazareth? It was also considered to be a wicked city, not one that you would associate with a pure and righteous Savior. Turn with me to the book of John. And in John, chapter 1, we read this reaction to the announcement of Jesus, Messiah. I'm starting with verse 45. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Nazareth, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come? That's such a wicked city. Just little insignificant town known for its wickedness. Not exactly the place that you would think you would find a savior. Not a capital city. Not a splendid city just a little out of the way, nothing. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Jesus was a shoot, a tender branch arising from a stump. He was therefore the Nazarene. I'm happy to tell you this morning that there is new life. There is fresh hope. There is a growing, a growth out of the scraps. Yes, Nathaniel, there is a Savior. God does come out Of Nazareth. We may be with the leftovers, the runes, the remainders, the vestiges, the scraps, but out of these there is new life, there is a fresh shoot, there is a branch, there is a savior. Good does come out of Nazareth. Verse 2 of chapter 11, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist. And faithfulness the belt around his loins. The Nazarene. Fresh life from the scraps. From the leftovers. Hope for today. This is what Jesus brings to us. Jesus, the Nazarene. What a wonderful Savior we serve. Jesus can do the same for me. He can do the same for you. You may feel like your life is just a stump, just the scraps It's not what you expected or wanted it to be. But Jesus is a shoot, a fresh start, a new tree, a new life for each one of us. Turn with me to the next major prophet in the Bible, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. And here the Bible says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought the people of Israel up out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought out and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the land of the north and out of all the lands where he had driven them, and they shall live in their own land. The kingdom of Israel at this time was not what it had been. During the reign of David and even more so his son Solomon there was no kingdom on the earth that would exceed it. Not Egypt, not Assyria, not Babylon. It was a major player We read the record of Solomon's transactions. We know that they had a booming economy during that time. The borders of the kingdom were greater than they had ever been before. It was a time of material prosperity. And yet, The moral fiber of the nation was collapsing. The kingdom that God had designed and described through the law of Moses was not the kingdom as it was in the time of David and Solomon. Much material prosperity, booming economy, Israel was great once again. But, sin was in the camp. The poor were not treated with compassion. People were not treated fairly. There was no justice in the land. We live in such a world today. And we see young people marching into the streets in search of justice, fairness, equity, mercy, righteousness, and peace. We live in a time of material prosperity, which is also a time of moral darkness. Where sin is too readily accepted. And life is not lived according to the word of God. And we may criticize our young people that have gone to the streets, who long for justice and mercy and fairness, And I realize, I'm not naive, I realize that there are foreign agitators who take advantage of this for their own political ends. But I'm thankful that once again we have young people who are not just looking for careers and a lot of money and the material things of this world, but are taking seriously the call of the Bible to justice and fairness and righteousness and mercy and peace. We live in a world of broken marriages, career failures, financial troubles, parent child struggles, business losses. And loneliness. Like the world of Isaiah. Where the kingdom had been cut down. We live in the moral scraps and leftovers of society. But we have a promise. We have a promise in Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus the branch. Jesus the shoot that arises from the ruins and promises us a better world. A better world. We may feel as though we're a child in the desert all alone, that there is no future ahead. We live in a dry and arid, spiritually speaking, land, and yet there is hope. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. but there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the home of Nazareth, and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. Verse 6. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, And he is named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there will be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. My friends, there is a restlessness in our world today. A longing for justice and mercy. For peace and righteousness. And we have the good news of Jesus, the Nazarene, the righteous branch, who brings us out of the ruins and gives us a glorious future. And for those who are restless and longing for justice and looking for a fresh start, if we don't get to their hearts with the gospel first, the agitators will and have. If you're not actively sharing your faith, about Jesus, the Nazarene, the branch arising to give us new hope and life. Someone will take that opportunity for their own political ends. We have the good news, the best news, the great news, and it is the only news Everything else is fake news. There is no other hope besides Jesus. There is no other prince than the Savior born in a manger. There is no other one. Isaiah 11, verse 6. In that world that Jesus brings, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall live with the "...shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them." Verse 8, "...the nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not destroy, they will not hurt, on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge..." Of the Lord the Nazarene fresh life from the scraps from the leftovers hope for today pledged for eternity a fresh start growth that never ends My daughter is going to share a dream with you at this time.